Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It is episode number 102. I, I came into that really exuberant. Here we it are. Is. Good morning. Okay. <clears throat> It's episode number 102. We can, Here I am to save the day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 30 something's on the way. Let's bring it down just a little bit. All right, let's just, just a little. You're listening. That's more of a. Yeah, like, that's sometimes like, I do like a Lando Calrissian Yeah, I, like, Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> what have we here? A new movie. That's, which movie are we talking about today? All right. Uh, you truly belong here with us among the theater seats. Um, I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the host of the 30-something movie podcast. <clears throat> I also sell Colt 45. Anybody want a Colt 45? <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Sorry, Billy D. Um, this is episode number 102 of the 30-something movie podcast. And this time around, we are talking about the medieval murder mystery movie, uh, The Name of the Rose, starring Sean Connery. Uh, really quickly, we do spoil the events of the movies that we talk about, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it and then come back and listen. Unless you just don't care, then put your arms in the air and wave them around yeah. like you just don't care. It, somehow it works. Do it. Do uh, it. And uh, go leave us a review on iTunes. Doesn't take long. All you got to do, all you really have to have is fingers. That's all you need, man. You, you got fingers, you can leave us a review. And you can probably do it without fingers. Thing from Adam's family could mm-hmm. leave us a review. That's true. All right, so even if you don't have fingers, you could probably leave us a review, but we would we would love to have a review on there, some reviews on there. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know what you like. If you got any suggestions, we'd like to hear those too. Um, any other way that you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website, 30podcast.com, 30podcast.com, and then uh, you can leave us a review or leave us some other information on there. That's got other places where you can go to get our show, either on Google Play, iTunes, all the fun places. Um, Shall we jump right in? Jump right Let's in. Jump right man. in. I think so. We're gonna take a time machine back to medieval times. Medieval times is a fun place. I was just gonna Have say that, to that that fine, uplifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever yeah. been to medieval times? I have been to medieval times. I, Did you enjoy it? I I like medieval times okay. because you know everything is colorful and mm-hmm. you can wash your hands before you eat your food and then you there can you go. yeah yeah that's, okay. yeah. <laughs> Okay, I've I've been once. Okay, and it was fun. Yeah, yeah. To be there once, or like it was fun. Um, no, it was fun. I, w- I would go again. Yeah. It's expensive, but it is expensive. I would definitely go again. So, the fight choreography—that's a pretty good time. Yeah, that was pretty cool. All right. Well, we are talking the name of the rose. Um, this one came out on September twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. Rated R for some obvious reasons. If you've seen the movie, uh, there's there's a, a bit of nudity, a bit of sex, uh, a bit of murder. Yeah. A bit of, oh, there's too much. Flagellation and flatulation. Both, yeah, yeah. Um, 
don't know if there's a lot of language. It didn't no. seem like there was a lot of language. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit, but not not ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but it is rated R. So uh, unlike me who saw this as a child, don't show your children this movie. Oof. This is another one of those where I think I was like up late at mm-hmm. night. And I don't know if we must have still had HBO on, on our TV at that point. But this is another one of those times that I was awake during a time when okay. no one else was. And I think I... Snuck into the living room and turned on the TV, and, and you're just like, oh, just sitting there watching the TV, and I learned things that, yeah, <laughs> I, I learned things oh. that no eight year old should learn. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Uh, huh. Okay. Uh, this one was directed by. There's going to be a lot of European names. I'm going to butcher several of them. I'm not going to tell can. you which ones I'm going to butcher. That's right. So I'm going to say the names. Yeah. And if you don't know these people, if the listening audience and if Pat, if you don't know any of these people, you won't know if I've butchered the names. That's right. So I'm just going to go with it. And even if I mess up, I'm going to keep going. That's it, man. Because that's, that's how we do. That's how we roll here at the 30-something movie podcast. The director is Jean-Jacques Arnaud. Go with it. Okay. I'm good. Uh, directed Quest for Fire, Seven Years in Tibet, An Enemy at the Gates. Uh, producers for this one are okay. I'm not even gonna try to butcher these because I don't know how to say burned, B E R N D. Burned. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, both producers of this movie are named Burned. Good. So Keep it simple. Burned Eichinger died in 2011. Uh, also did uh, also produced Fantastic Four, both the failed 1994 version uh, and the 2005 version. Okay. Uh, and also produced Resident Evil. Okay. Burned Schaefer's. Uh, produced Pat's favorite movie of all time, The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> um, and then also did, and don't worry, this is not River's Edge, Where the Rivers Flow North. Oh. I've never seen it, don't know anything about it, but all it's right. got a river in it, so okay. I, I was worried you might think it's River's Edge. That that was a little rough. Okay. Um, we have the writers for this one. Umberto Eco wrote the novel. He died in 2016. Uh, it was, as far as I know, it's his only work to be adapted into a movie. Okay. Andrew Birkin, I can get that name. Uh, Andrew Birkin wrote the screenplay. He also wrote The Final Conflict, King David, uh, The Messenger, the story of Joan of Arc. Gerard Brock wrote the, the, also wrote the screenplay. Died in 2006. Uh, did writing for Quest for Fire, Jean de Florette and the 1998 version of The Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Howard Franklin also wrote. There's a lot of writers on this one. Right. Uh, did Quick Change and The Man Who Knew Too Little. Uh, Alain Goddard wrote the screenplay as well. Did Dracula and Son and Enemy at the Gates. Music for this one is done by James Horner, who died in 2015. Mm-hmm. He did Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, Star Trek III, Search for Spock, uh, Commando, Aliens, Willow, Braveheart, Titanic. Lots of good stuff. Uh, budget for this one was $17.5 million. The box office was $77.2 million. So I actually did very, very well, but did not do very well in America. Uh, because there are no cats in America, mm-hmm. as we learned from the one cartoon. Um, I don't know what that has to do with ticket sales, but I just felt like that went along with my comment about America. Yep. Okay. Um, did not do well in America. Apparently, it only did something like $7.2 million in America, but it did its other $70 million in Europe mm-hmm. and did very well over there. Starring Sean Connery as William of Baskerville. He was in the James Bond movies, Hunt for Red October, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Highlander, The Rock, and The Untouchables. Uh, Christian Slater played Adzo of Milk. Uh, He was in Heathers, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Interview with the Vampire. F. Murray Abraham was Bernardo Gui. He was in Scarface, Amadeus, Last Action Hero, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Homeland TV Show. Helmut Qualtinger died in 1986. I think this was his last movie. Uh, Played Remigio de Veragin. 
That was uh, Salvatore's handler. He was kind of like the, I mean, like a blacksmith, but he mm -hmm. was kind of like the, he was the one that would like give food to the peasants. And he was one of the guys that was, they were going to burn at the stake. At the okay. big guy with the beard that they were burning at the stake. At right, the right, right. Who was the guy that was the abbot? That was... Um, Did you get to his name yet? We didn't get him yet. Okay, keep he going. Was, he was, um, uh, what was his name, Drax from Moonraker. I was just going to say, he's yeah. got to have been a Bond villain. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, he's he, two, two people from now. He, well, after I butcher the names of the movies that some of these other people have been in. Uh, so Helmut Qualtinger, who was Remigio de Vergine, or okay. Vergine, uh, Salvatore's handler in the movie. Um, he was in Das Falsch Geiwit. Okay, yeah, God bless good. me. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and Der Herr Karl. Okay. Uh, Elia Baskin was Severin Severinus. Severinius. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, he was kind of like the the doctor um, type person that was working with Sean Connery's character and, and Christian Slater's character as they were. Okay. Examining the bodies and, and doing all that. Uh, he was in Moscow on the Hudson, Austin Powers, and Spider-Man 2 and 3. The original Spider-Man 2 and 3 with uh, Tobey Maguire. Michael Lonsdale was the abbot, and he was in Moonraker. He was also in the movies Ronin and Munich. Uh, Volker Prechtel? It, it looks like pretzel, but I'm not going to say pretzel. <laughs> Volker. Vol Volker Prechtel? Sure. Died in 1997. Uh, he played Malachia, the main librarian monk. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in Forsthaus Falkenau and another movie called The Enigma of Caspar Hauser. Movies I have not seen. So I don't. It's a I'm very eclectic based cast. Based on title at all. I mm -hmm. yeah. A very eclectic cast. Yes. Uh, Theodore Chalapin Jr. Chalapin Jr. Died 1992. He played uh, Yorgi de Burgos, uh, was the monk that was actually killing people, the one that was kind of blind and had the weird, creepy white eyes. Um, he was in Inferno, Moonstruck, and a movie called The Church. William Hickey, who died in 1997, was Ubertino de Casale. He was the famous Franciscan that they were talking to um, towards the beginning of the movie. He was in The Producers, One Crazy Summer, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Nightmare Before Christmas. Michael Habeck died in 2011. He was uh, Berengar. He was the assistant librarian, kind of the, the big bald guy who was afraid of mice and screamed like a girl. And uh, He was in The Born Identity in 1988, the original version of that movie, and a movie called The Crusader. Valentina Vargas was the girl. She was in a movie called The Big Blue and Hellraiser Bloodline. And Ron Perlman played Salvatore, the hunchback. He was in Quest for Fire, Beauty and the Beast, the TV series, Hellboy movies, and Sons of Anarchy. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 74%. Audience gave it an 85%. Uh, Siskel, I could not find a review from Siskel for this one. Ebert gave it two and a half stars. And he said, what this movie needs is a clear, spare, logical screenplay. It's all inspiration and no discipline. At a crucial moment in the film, William and his novice seem sure to be burned alive, and we have to deduce how they escaped because the movie doesn't tell us. There are so many good things in The Name of the Rose, the performances, the reconstruction of the period, the overall feeling of medieval times, that if the story had been able to really involve us, there would have been quite a movie here. Cinema score, there was no movie score for this one. And the awards, it won the Cesar Award for Best Foreign Film and won two BAFTA awards, Sean Connery for Best Actor and Hasso von Hugo for Best Makeup Artist. 
Uh, a Franciscan friar, William of Baskerville, and his apprentice, Adzo of Melk, have traveled to an abbey in northern Italy for an important conference in 1327. Once there, they discover a murder, which leads to a series of murders around a mysterious book that kills. Within these walls, men come to seek God. He has come to seek a killer. We found the body horribly mutilated under a window which was... Uh, which was found closed. Somebody told you. A man of reason in a world of blind faith. Yes, yeah, small blood here. You mean that he committed suicide? Elementary. And a crime that could not be suppressed. Ink stains. He did not write with his tongue, I presume. I don't like this place. I find it most stimulating. Should we tell him? No. I am most curious to see the library for myself. May I do so? No. But what if he should learn it of his own accord? Written with lemon juice. Hey! Who's there? You overestimate his talents. This one, I grant you, did not commit suicide. When he is challenged by a man of cruelty and power, the hunter becomes the hunted. Brethren, if you please! The matter has occurred of the utmost gravity. Had someone else not chosen to look in the wrong direction, several men of God might still be with us. Our monks will meet their deaths here, and they also will have blackened fingers and blackened tongues. His fang is black, just as Brother William foretold. Yes, I was right. He knew. Just as I, too, would have known had I been the murderer. You go that way. Lock them up! One final murder has been planned. Master? Master? How do we get out? With some difficulty. And it's his. Sean Connery. F. Murray Abraham. The Name of the Rose. A story of unholy murder. So the director, Jean-Jacques Annaud, told the author, Umberto Eco, that he was the only person who could direct this movie because he loved the book, he loved medieval churches, he loved Latin, and he loved Greek. Um, so you have to let me direct this because I'm the only person that can possibly get your book right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's confidence. Originally, they did not want Sean Connery for the leading role because at this point in time, Sean Connery's career was not really all that great. Um, he'd been in a couple of weird sci-fi movies. He'd been in Highlander. Um, but things were, were not going so well right now. So originally they did not want that. And they didn't want people to watch the movie and be like, oh, yeah, it's the old James Bond guy. Um, when he was cast, actually the, the author of the book, Umberto Eco, was upset. And the company that was doing the distribution, Columbia Pictures, decided they were no longer going to distribute the film in the United States. So they pulled their money. Uh, Anno told Valentina Vargas, the girl, the only female in the entire movie, um, nothing about how she should play the scene where she seduces Adso, Christian Slater. Um, And he never told Christian Slater what the scene was going to be about. He just told her, you need to go in here and seduce this boy. That's all I'm telling you. He didn't even tell Christian Slater what was going to happen. And so that whole scene where she goes in and they have an enjoyable time with each other, Christian Slater had no idea that that was going to happen. It's a little disturbing on several levels. The other thing... Yeah, I know what's coming next. (laughs) Christian Slater was only 15 when he performed in that scene with Valentina Vargas, who was 22 at the time. Good, good, because that's... 
That's great. Hope we had some parent permission. And... <laughs> yeah. Um, originally, Robert De Niro was considered for the role of William of Baskerville instead of Sean Connery, but he wanted to have a final sword fight duel uh, between William and Bernardo Gui, so Anod said, it's really not that kind of movie. You're not a good fit. Go away. <laughs> he didn't say exactly that. but Right. You know, That's essentially what happened. It's basically that idea. Uh, the movie was a failure in the U.S., only making $7 million, as we said before. It made most of its money in Europe. And there were rumors that one of the cloaks worn by one of the monks in this movie was the cloak worn by Alec Guinness when he played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the oh. original Star Wars movie. Oh. Uh, apparently the cloaks were owned by a British costume company at the time. And one of the cloaks that they had to clothe the monks with uh, was, was one a, of the ones that they had Jedi used robe. for a Jedi robe in the original Star Wars. Well, there you go. So... Um, real quick, I want to just run through the basic plot of the movie. That uh, So we start off with finding out that we are in northern Italy in 1327, that there's some kind of an important conference that uh, is going to decide the fate of the Franciscan order. And so they've people have come in from all corners of Christendom to debate this. Mm -hmm. um, the abbey, though, is everybody's a little fearful because there was a recent death of one of their young monks, a brilliant illustrator. Uh, from within the, the library, one of the scribes. And um, a lot of the monks are afraid that it's the work of the devil, that there's a supernatural explanation for this. Uh, William of Baskerville comes in, and he is he has a reputation we don't find out until later. He has a reputation as being someone who is good at investigating because at one point he was a member of the Inquisition. And so um, okay. he is kind of asked to, since he's there anyway for this conference, he is asked to kind of examine the evidence and, and see what's going on here. He comes to the conclusion that there is a logical explanation that does not involve a spiritual threat. Um, but the rest of the monks don't necessarily agree with that. They're all still afraid that it's the work right. of the devil and, and that's right. what's happening. Um, they do start to find that, and, and then more murders occur after that, and they start to find that every person who died uh, has this black mark on their fingers, and some have a black mark on their tongue mm -hmm. as well. Um, and so then as they go along, they are investigating this. They they discover that something revolves around the library, that the, that's where all the clues are kind of leading them to. And uh, you, at one point in time, they try to take a look at whatever this book is that people are so interested about. As they do that, they are chasing after one of the monks who stole the book from the scribe's desk. Uh, you get the scene where Adzo, Christian Slater, ends up hiding in one of the storehouses, and that's where he meets the girl, right, and that's right. where they have their time, you know, their 15 time. minutes of fame. Yep. Um, not, not even 15 minutes, but um, you have the awkward scene. We'll, yes. we'll call it that. The awkward scene. The awkward scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, they enjoy each other's company, and uh, then after that, uh, you get a little bit of some clues coming from this hunchback, Salvatore. Um, you find out that they are, he and uh, Remigio are former members of a heretical cult who had probably killed some priests back in the day, and uh, they're just trying to kind of do their thing and stay under the radar so that they don't get into too much trouble. Um, more murders happen, more black fingers, more black tongues. Uh, and then you find out that there is this book that kills that is supposed to be some kind of a, it's a lost comedy of Aristotle mm -hmm. that uh, one of the monks does not want to get out because he is not a fan of comedy. He right. thinks that laughing and, and comedy is a horrible thing and shouldn't do it. 
Then Bernard Gouy, uh, F. Murray Abraham, shows up. He's an investigator who was also part of the Inquisition, nearly got William executed in the past, and he kind of shows up to take charge of this investigation. You do have a fire that breaks out, and um, that's where you kind of get the, the three people, the Salvatore, the Hunchback, Remigio, and the girl get caught, and they're going to be burned at the stake as heretics. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get that whole scene with the labyrinth, which is right. kind of fun. You get yep. into the one building, they've got the labyrinth yep. in the yep. back of the yep. library, and then eventually they kind of solve the riddle and they find out that uh, Yorgi de Burgos, the blind, um, you know, one of the oldest members of the Abbey, he's the one that has the secret book and he's the one that added the poison yeah. to the page so that if you're reading this book, it's getting on your fingers, it's right. getting on your tongue if you're licking your fingers to turn the right. pages. And, um, and so he's the one that's responsible for the people that have ended up dying and trying to cover this whole thing up. Right. Um, as they're trying to, you know, get out of here, Bernardo Gui, seeing that the library is on fire, he's like, nope, I'm out of here. And so he jumps into his carriage and tries to ride away after they've burned these people at the stake. And the peasants are really upset that he tried to sentence one of their own to death. And so they push his cart off the side of the hill and he ends up flying out and landing on some kind of farming implement and, is impaled several different ways to Tuesday. Yep, yep, that's it. Uh, Yorgi ends up dying. Um, I think it's Yorgi. I think that's how, how they said his name. Um, he ends up dying because he starts tearing the pages out of the book and eating them because mm-hmm. I think he kind of has decided that he's done for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, everybody makes it out of the building and William is trying to save books, but eventually he comes out of the building only carrying a handful of books, realizing he can't save them. And so then they kind of eventually ride off into the sunset and Adzo looks back and sees the girl one more time but continues on his way and right. you get the narrator saying that it was that was the only that was the only girl I ever loved on earth and I never saw my master again after that and I went on and learned many things and blah 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 blah. Yeah, so the end man. The end. Come check out in the name of the rose too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the quest for more books. The, the quest yeah there you go. The quest for more books. Yeah. Um so this one, first time you've seen this one? First time. Okay. Uh, this was not the first time I've seen this one. As I said, I saw this one when I was probably about eight or nine years old. Yep. No eight or nine-year-olds <laughs> should ever see this movie. Um, and at what point did you, were you like, whoa, I'm in over my head? Or did you just did you was, just ride that sucker down? Did it, you just stay well, out? Well, it? It, was, it, it was probably the, I think I probably perked up a little bit when we got to the storehouse scene. Yeah. Uh, as an eight or nine-year-old being like... <laughs> Good, good choice what? of words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Just it's, a little bit? Just, just you know. <laughs> well, because what's funny about that is Christian Slater, I mean, I always thought he looked young in this movie. I didn't realize he was only 15. Yeah. So I'm yeah. looking, and as a kid, I remember being like, oh, he's a kid like me. Yeah. Even at age like eight or nine. Yeah. And then I'm seeing this, and I'm like, what? What's happening? I, yeah. D- but I... I I don't know. (laughs) Mom! I I don't know. No, no, no. I didn't call for mom and dad. I was like, I'm going to watch the rest of the movie, but I don't really know what's happening here. Um, Yeah, so I guess when you start by watching Porky's when you're four. Then you're okay. You you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You've been introduced to things way earlier than... uh, You have no idea what's going on, but... right. Right. You, you've, you may have seen this somewhere before. It's like it's like what is that called in teach activating your pa- schema. prior knowledge. Yeah, prior knowledge schema. Yeah. schema. You've activated mm-hmm. your schema. My schema was activated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard you perked right up. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> good movie, though. Good movie. So, Name of the Rose, folks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I definitely have seen this one several times. Yeah. And uh, even regardless of that particular scene, um, I like this movie. I, I like I like Sean Connery in this. Um you know, he just, I think he brings a weight, a gravitas to the movie, yeah. if you want to say, um, that I don't think a lot of other actors could. No. I can't picture, and it's tough to do, you know, when, you, when you've seen a movie several times and you like it, I can't picture Robert De Niro being the monk. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert De Niro, he did a great job in, um, what was that movie called? The Mission? Mm-hmm. It was, he was a Jesuit priest. You know, similar situation, maybe. Um, although I think that's that one has taken place in the New World, um, you know, priests coming over to the mm-hmm. New World and and trying to set up their churches and, and uh, missions there and, and all that. Um, I just, but I can't picture him as a Sherlock Holmes type character. Yeah, I, I don't see Robert De Niro doing that. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I remember as a kid, and I would have seen this before I saw uh, Sean Connery in Indiana Jones okay. and the Last Crusade. But there's just something about that. I, I always thought that was a really, even as a kid, I thought that was a really cool character. Yeah. That he was able to think through these crimes and to and be like, no, 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 no. Look, look at look at how this, you know, look at the look at the marks here. It shows the body was dragged this right. way, and it, and even as a kid, I was like, wow. Well, and he's he's like he, nobody else can think on the right. level that he can think of. He's he's outside of this society, mm-hmm. you know. So whether he's you know fitting for the times or if he's kind of an anachronism. If you got that, what's a future? On, yeah, a, yeah, a harbinger of the things that to come. You know, yeah, he's a he's a really compelling character. Yeah, and not the least of which, he seems to fly above the the mess that you right. that they present to you of the of the Middle Ages. Yeah. So, so I I liked his character. I liked um, and and that I guess was weird for me because I came at the character of of Adzo of Christian Slater as a kid. Okay. And, and that's that's a connection I made. Was like, oh, well, that, that's a kid just like me. Most people watching this movie are not going to do that because mm-hmm. you shouldn't show this movie to a child. Right. Um, but to me, I think that's the interesting part of it is you. Most people watching this movie are thinking of it as well. The narrator is this kid, and so we're seeing it. We're seeing you know that he's learning and he's growing. But me watching this at a very young age looked at that and I was like, wow, this this kid's in some weird stuff going on here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's he's hanging out with his master and he's learning all this stuff. And that's pretty cool that a, a kid gets to help solve mysteries. And so I think I glossed over a lot of stuff, which is probably good, um, and didn't pick up on several things that are going on in the movie right? because I think I was focused on that. I was like, this kid is an apprentice to someone who's this right. great investigator. It's this great... It, it almost... Like, and not just because they're wearing robes. I thought, that'd be a particularly good Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's an apprentice learning from their Jedi Master. Yeah. Like, that would be great. Yeah. I, that would be pretty cool. Cool. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I always like this movie. Um, and you go, you, know, to, I, you relate to what you know, or right. you go to what you can relate to, or right. however you want to say that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so definitely, I've, I've seen this movie several times. I like this movie. I think, I think that for me, more so than the other guys that do our podcast with us, I think that when I come to this movie, it's maybe the same way that I really, really, really like Amadeus. Okay. Most of the other people in our group are like, mm, okay, Amadeus is. 
It's all right. Take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. But I come to this one, and I come to Amadeus, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember watching this as a kid. I remember loving this movie. I remember the you know the, the mystery of this and like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what is the – why do these guys have black marks on their thumbs? And mm-hmm. what's that – I remember that part of it as a kid, and it's – and I think I, I approach this one similarly to the way I approach Amadeus. Yeah. Is I have those fond memories of I've watched this as a kid. Now, I can't tell you why I would have watched this multiple times as a kid because I shouldn't have watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must have found it somehow, and and I think you know every every few years or so, I think I watched this again. Let's say maybe like five or six years ago, I might have rented it from the library, okay. or it, maybe it was on TV somewhere, or or whatever. Um, and I watched it again, Got so it. it's you know I'll probably watch it every few years or so, and um, but I don't know, I just always I always enjoyed it, I always enjoyed the characters of it. I think one of the other things I like about it now as an adult is that it's not I recognize a few people. But they're not like big Hollywood actors. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty eclectic cast, and it's not a cast of people. Well, and he said in particular, he's like, I, I plan on casting people that are not beautiful mm-hmm. because I don't want them to be beautiful. I want them to be, I actually want to cast ugly people mm-hmm. in this movie. And he did that on purpose. Right. And he's like, that, there it that's, is. That's what I'm doing because that's how I feel this movie should go. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah, I thought the cast was, oh, that guy, oh, that guy, yeah. oh, that guy. You know, there was Like, you've, you've seen them in other yeah. places before, they're but good. it's like... They're good, they're solid. Oh, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a Brad Pitt or, well, I mean, right. Brad Pitt wasn't around then, but... Exactly. And Sean Connery provided that, maybe, but then at the time, he couldn't provide, you know, because if, if people were questioning his career or right. whatever. But, yeah, if Sean Connery's got game, man, you watch five minutes of that movie, you know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, Cool. So for this one, um, and I'll ask you because I've seen this several times, and, and I can I'll provide my own answer to this. But um, is there a particular scene, or is there a part of this movie that you really liked? Can you pick out one and say this this was a great scene in this movie? Um, well, going for the adventure kick, them crawling around the labyrinth that mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. I, I thought you know like them getting hidden and. Or I'm getting hidden. I'm getting lost in the bottom, and there's mm-hmm. like, come to my voice. Right. Lift the lantern three <laughs> times. One, two, three. Okay, Lift that's me. me. <laughs> and then uh, you know he followed. He unstrung his robes mm-hmm. so they could follow the string back. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, just seeing the whole. I thought they did a really good job, just kind of creating the the look of the movie with the costumes and the set mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, it was, it definitely painted a pretty, pretty, uh, you know, gritty view of the, of the middle, middle of the middle ages of middle, medieval times, medieval times. Um, dinner and theater. Dinner. That's right. <laughs> so that's kind of what I thought. I thought that would be it. The big scene was when they were, when they happen into, they, they find that table and they push their fingers and the, the little skulls mm-hmm. eyes and it opens yeah. up. I thought that was pretty cool, yeah. you know, when they were down there kind of adventuring around. Um, nothing else really necessarily stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, That's but, mine too, though. It, like, it's it's the mystery stuff. Yeah. It's the how do we find the secret passageway, and it's mm-hmm. the how do we, how did this guy die, and you know, yeah. we don't have an explanation for how he died, and it doesn't seem like anybody killed him, but somehow he died, right. and why is this mark on their fingers? And I think that was mine too, was the, the labyrinth piece and the, you know, them finding these old books and having to... Go through the mystery, yeah, part of it, yeah, 
and and watching Sean Connery and watching mm-hmm. Sean Connery and then also watching his character. Right. Because like I said in a few minutes ago, the character seems to rise above the the, the morass. Is that mm-hmm. the word morass mm-hmm. of the yeah. Middle Ages and disbelief and uh, um, superstition and kill him and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. He's able to. He's the voice of reason. He's yeah. He's the hero, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and actually, kind of the, the darkness of the movie, that was one of the criticisms that Ebert had was he said, this movie's too dark, I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's just the way movie and film was at the time. Like now, watching this on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem too dark to me. Yeah. But maybe on VHS or watching in the theater, maybe back then the quality yeah. wasn't what it is now, so maybe it was a dark... It, I think in his review he said, it's hard to tell who's who in this movie because there's so many. I mean, it was filmed on location yeah. in these monasteries, and, and it was hard to tell right. who certain people were and, and what was going on at the time because it was just it was dark. dark. It was just a dark movie. Too, yeah. Um, and now it's dark. We'll, we'll talk about that next week when we do Blue Velvet. Yes. I just remember what he kept saying that when the lights would dim. <laughs> yeah. Now it's dark. Now it's dark. It's, yeah. And that movie is a bit dark. That movie but, is too. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there next week. We'll, we'll get, get there, there next, next week. Um, is there anything in particular that you did not like about this movie? Um, so I kind of watched it twice over the last two days. Mm-hmm. Once, I was just too tired to comprehend it the first time. Yeah. And I just... Which you and I talked about that before. I think this is a movie that you gotta requires, be yeah, requires you gotta be your awake. full attention. you got to be... And it's not that I, I dozed off and woke right. up five minutes from then. This was terrible. Right. But I, I just... I was just... Exhausted, and I'm sitting there watching this movie like, man, I can't process what's going on. Um, so that was that was the first thing. What did I what did I not like? I, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna rail on the movie for this. I thought, and I'm gonna answer this question by saying what I did like. So by process of elimination, you'll there know you what I did. That's fine. I I really like. It's much like the detective. Right. Like. Right. I like them painting the picture of the Middle Ages. I thought mm-hmm. that was that was pretty cool. Um, I like seeing the detective thing. Um, what did I not like? I would not like to go back and live in the Middle Ages. And so mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't want to do that. So what did I not like? I didn't like that it was just this incredibly repressive society. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, they're all supposed to be about the, you know, God. And... You know, it wasn't. It was really, you know, they weren't. It was all infighting and murder and, and intrigue and, and um, illicit sexual affairs that end in, in, in death. What's interesting, though, is then from the historical perspective is I remember, you know, sitting in lectures and hearing that, well, monasteries were places of, you know, worship, but they would all band together because the rest of the world was like it was... I don't think I think post-apocalyptic might be going a little bit mm-hmm. far, but I mean, all of society in Europe had really, for the most part, collapsed, and you had kingdoms that could be run by you know rulers that were maybe benevolent or maybe not, and you had you know bandits out on the road, and people were not educated, and you know the townspeople might rise up with pitchforks, or you might be killed as a you know a witch or something like that. And so the monasteries, those were places of actual learning. And so people would band together just to, you know, so it's like, okay, well, 
I could see where it's a society within the world and they stay insulated from the, the, the rest of the world is dark and scary. So maybe these guys all didn't necessarily feel the calling to God. They just thought, okay, well, this is our out. We can get in here. We can survive. We can, you know, keep education going. And that's why Sean Connery, I mean, it wasn't that he was just the character that I didn't see. The character wasn't like, oh my gosh, just he was a book lover. It mm-hmm. was like, dude, that's it. I mean, there, you can't go by, you know, it's not like there's other copies of that knowledge. Those things burn, right. and that's like, right. that's, you know, burning with it. So I thought that was a cool characterization of, of just, okay, well, yeah, all right, you know, these guys aren't necessarily there to be people of God. They're there because that's their island that they can get on mm-hmm. and, and survive. But what I didn't like was uh, that would not be a kind of world that I would like to live in. You're right. You know, that would be, ugh. I, so... Yeah. Did that? I mean, I, that yeah. was a little bit deeper. Yeah, I, I'd like the movie. I just wouldn't wouldn't like to go visit, or I wouldn't like to visit. I wouldn't like no, to live I there. Wouldn't want to live during that time period. No. Um, yeah, no. I and that that scene in particular when they're in the when they're in the labyrinth, when they're in the library and they're looking at the books and and he's going through and you see all these old books. I don't know if it's me as an English teacher and having a wife who's a librarian, like that scene in particular where the fire starts, like even. I remember even as a kid when when that fire breaks out and all those books are there, and there's no fire extinguishers. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so I, I remember even as a kid, I was like, "What well, the, the 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 books? Mm-hmm. What you, you can't you won't be able to save them all." No. And like I think I had the same anxiety and feeling that Sean Connery's character has. It's like, well, maybe I'll just stand here and burn with the books. And I, yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's, that dilemma's kind of on his face. He's like, well, I can save a few or should I just stand here and go down with it? Or I, yeah. I don't know. And what are you, and what, you know, what are you going to do? The right. world is dark. Right. You know, I mean, that's it. That's and learning. Just, and right realize there. as an adult, then realizing like those might've been like some of those books and like the, the church and the way the church back then, like they were the keepers of most of the knowledge. It's like, those are the only copies. Those yeah. are probably the only copies yeah. of a lot of those books. And you have a fire breakout. And then just to think that that's one place in one part of the world where a fire breaks out like that. When you think of like the library at Alexandria mm-hmm. and that like the storehouse of all this knowledge and it burns mm-hmm. and it's all gone. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. What, what was that's the, not cool. The printing press <laughs> and all that, that was what, 200 mm-hmm. years later? 15, uh, early 1500, 1514. Early 15, yeah. 1400s, 1500s, yeah. 15, Gutenberg's movable thing was 1550. It was it was in like the late 1400s, early 1500s, okay. because then you had like, you know, that the whole thing with the Reformation. You had like Martin Luther right. and you had you know Gutenberg and all those people that, um, you know, the reason that Martin Luther's stuff got spread so much was because of the printing press. He yeah. was able to print up his stuff and send it on and out. Send it on out and yeah. Yeah. So I so mean, yeah. So it would have been like 150. Like 150 years after this, that, is when that, you that had would the have printing been. press and yeah. So yeah, I mean, and like you say, I mean, and that's why you look at that time and it's just it's amazing that we all yeah. survived. I mean, it was right. it was dark that we know anything. Yeah, and uh, well, even the replicas for this movie, like the books and all the illustration, and everything else, they they created these by hand mm-hmm. for this movie. And so when you see like the very intricate drawings and the right. illustrations, I think there was one. So reading some story related to this movie, and it was one of the pages got torn, mm-hmm. and they needed a replacement, and it took nearly a year for someone to create the replacement page that had been torn out of one of the prop <laughs> the prop books that they, they were using because they were doing it by hand and they were doing it the way the right. old right. scribes would have done in the libraries right. and 
And this, but it just took like, it was like eight months or something like that for them to recreate one page. Yeah. And yeah, like, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, we don't do stuff like that anymore. We nope. don't. <laughs> and, and, and the flip side is, that's cool. Mm-hmm. As far as art goes, but I mean, I like my mass market penguin right. classics. You know, I mean, right. it's just, I, I mean, it, yeah. So it's because you know you have better chance of preserving for the future, mm-hmm. and that's that's important. But you're right, yeah. People don't do that anymore. Yeah. But, I'm trying to think of what I don't like about this movie, and I don't know if I can think of anything that I don't like. There, are, I mean, there are certainly things that I think work better than other things um some of the and i know that a lot of it is trying to get at the the way things were and and you know when when we talk about blue velvet part of that movie is is going to talk about like you you look at the world that you see and that there's another world Mm -hmm. that lies underneath that that is creepy um and i think what i was glad of was I know that there is, with a lot of the medieval monasteries, and, and that not everybody was there because they were dedicating their lives to God. Mm-hmm. Some people were just there to get away. Mm-hmm. And some people were there because that's best option they had, or they were running from something else or whatever. And I know that there's a, in some instances, there's a creepy undercurrent to mm-hmm. all that stuff. So... I'm glad that they didn't harp on that too much in the movie, but there were definitely times where they insinuated, you know, that one of the priests is looking at Christian Slater and being like, he's a very beautiful boy. I'm like, okay. Well, <laughs> this, this could get awkward fast. It but, could, uh, but, and, and then you got to look at the word, I'm sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, no, Go no. ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, okay. that's what, yeah. Well, and then you got to look at, and I'm sure this is where you're going. Okay, so that was a movie done in the 80s, mm-hmm. looking back mm-hmm. in the medieval times. All the stuff that has broken has about out since the church yeah. that has come out since then mm-hmm. brings a Re- whole reaffirms that <laughs> brings a whole different dimension mm-hmm. to this right to this movie right you know so that's yeah well and and the one thing and I have not read the book I, I probably would be curious to go read the book at some point but that was one of the things that the author was a little disappointed in and he, and he admits that he knew this was going to happen but how the movie does not cover a lot of the other things that he talked about in the book. Like there's a lot of other, I think, political stuff and spiritual stuff that, you know, you'd have to make a five hour movie to get all that stuff in it. And okay. And he, you know, he he made the comment, he's like, it, it's a nice movie. Right. He's like, it I'm I'm saddened that it had to cut this and this because when I look at my book, it's my book is a complete story. And it, I, it has everything in it that I intended for it to be, but right. obviously you can't do that in a two and a half hour movie. Right. So he he acknowledged that he was disappointed, but he understands. Well, and, and I think we've had this discussion before. When you make a movie, it's got to have a singular focus. Right. What is this movie about? Mm-hmm. Now, when you make a write a book, okay, it can be uh, about murder. It can right. be about solving a mystery. It can be about the life and times of mm-hmm. monks. It can be about social ramifications of the Middle Ages. It can be about the politics of the... It can right. be about all these different things. Right. But when you sit down to make a movie, what is this movie? Right? What it, when it comes... When it boils... Mm-hmm. When you boil it all down, when you do the reduction, what is this movie? Yeah. And this movie is a murder mystery. Murder mystery. Mm-hmm. That's what brings people into the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, all the other things are kind of side. And... Um, 
I, you know, not to preempt or any mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. But I mean, I think when you try to do too many different things, the movie gets pulled in different directions. Right. You, you got to have a singular focus right. at its core. What is this movie? Yeah. It's a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. The book might not have been a murder mystery. The book right. might have just been everything else. Mm-hmm. But you got to you got to boil it down. What is this movie? Right. So, that's yeah. just my take on it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I, I'll say, you know, the, what did I not like? I'll compare it in, on a tangent. I'll compare it to Master and Commander. A lot of people pan that movie because they said, oh, it's just boring. It's just about a bunch of guys yeah. on a ship in the Royal Navy in the 1800s. Yeah. What's the big deal? And it's kind of like, it's, what? This is a bunch of guys in a monastery in yeah. 1300s. It's 1300s. And it's like, if you can, it's like the, is it, what is it, docudrama? Is that the term? But like, you know, Master and Commander, people say, well, there's not enough action. You know, we mm-hmm. want to have more of this, that, right. and the other thing. Well, okay, but I really found it fascinating to right. see what was life like on a sailing ship. Right. What was this like? Well, how did they get food? How did they repair mm-hmm. things? How did they deal with social issues? How did they... I, I found and that, that fascinating. And that's why I like this one. So right. I mean, for me, this is my... You like Master and Commander for that. And I like Master and Commander right. too. But I think for me, this is my Master and Commander. Right. This is... I like it because I like seeing this is what life looked like. And this is... Um, you know, I, I could really not that I want to, but I could feel like I'm transported back to right. Northern Italy in in 1327. And once that clicked, and that's where I said I think I rewatched it when I wasn't exhausted. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, oh, cool, this is this is pretty fascinating. Yeah. But the first time I watched it through, it was just like, okay, it's that's just kind of plot, it, plotting it, along. Just plotting along. It's, along. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. not. But oh, okay, it, it just you know you got to be in the right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, state of rest. Right. You know. Right. So. Okay. All righty. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for our Name of the Rose. Um, again, if you're a child, don't watch this movie. Uh, if you're a parent, don't show it to your child. Um, that's my recommendation from life experience. Yeah. Um, though, again, I liked the movie. I liked it as a kid. like it as an adult. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, go take a look at it. It's, uh, it's a good movie. Again, not a whole lot of action. So if you're looking for medieval sword fights and action, you're not going to get them. Right. Um, but good murder mystery, good story. Um, so go check this one out if you're if you're interested in that. Uh, otherwise, we will be back here next week for Blue Velvet. Are you ready for that, Pat? I don't know, John. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Spoiler alert: We've already watched Blue Velvet, <laughs> and I know how Pat feels. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh huh. I'm sure the director's a genius, <laughs> but I you're am a, a simpleton. You're a horrible liar. All right. <laughs> so we will be back here next time with um, Blue Velvet. And then after that, we've got our some of our December movies that are coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing Platoon, The Manhattan Project, and Star Wars Rogue One when that one comes out. And then Top Gun to finish off the year. Um, if you're wanting to get a little bit more ahead... Then starting next year, we've got our list pretty much going for what we're going to be doing for next year. Starting up in January. So if you're, uh, you know, we're teachers, so pretty soon we'll be on our Thanksgiving break and then a few weeks later our winter break. So if you have a a winter break coming up and if you're, you know, if it snows and you're stuck inside, you have some movies you want to watch. um, Coming up the beginning of our 1987 movies for next year, uh, in January we're going to be doing some family movies. We'll be watching uh, Three Men and a Baby, Raising Arizona, Harry and the Hendersons, Uh and the family classic with Sylvester Stallone, Over the Top. (laughs) That's another canon film, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. 
some of my choices for these categories are a bit of a stretch. Atypical. But, you know, it's a family movie. Well, it's him and his kid. It's, 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 a, it's a family canon movie. family movie. It's a canon family movie. Now for something completely different. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, we hope that uh, you will come check us out either on our website, 30podcast.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We are um, most active on Twitter. Uh, so if you have any feedback or anything else you want to throw us that way, you can. Um, but go to our website. That'll get you to all the different places you can listen to the show. You can send feedback to us. Um, we are on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're all that stuff. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, do it that way. Um, otherwise, come on back here next week. We will be talking about Blue Velvet, the David Lynch uh, movie that we may not care for as much. But we'll at least let you know why we probably don't care for it. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and uh, we love you. We do love you. Madly, deeply. That got awkward. That got awkward okay. in a hurry. <laughs> there was a lot of mad love. Uh-huh. It, well, you know. <clears throat> in the storehouse. <laughs> okay. In the storehouse. <laughs> in the storehouse. With the horses and the candles. <laughs> or torches. I, I don't know where you're going with this. I don't know either, man. <laughs> It was a good song, though. It, it was a good song. Can we make uh, The Name of the Rose the musical? <laughs> yeah. Wait, Let's do I, The Name of the Rose the musical um, starring, Ax- big, starring Axel oh, Rose. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's do Axel Rose as William of Baskerville. Yeah. Whatever yeah. I... Whatever... I'm just going to think Mel, Mel Brooks. Uh, whenever I think of... And I don't know... What, <laughs> I, I just... Yeah. I, I would not be able to... Be, I would not be able to make a serious... Mm-hmm. It would have to be like a Mel Brooks, like a spoof. Oh, no. It would be a spoof. Yeah. Yeah. We're men. Yeah. We're men in robes. Yes. <laughs> the name. The name of the rose. There you go. All right. Well, we may work on the uh, name we'll of the rose on. comedy musical, and, and if that happens, you know, watch out Lynn Manuel Miranda because yeah. we're coming to you. Let's get Jeff in here. Wait a minute. We're talking about the That's stage. True. We need to. In the name of the rose thing. musical junior. Right. Yeah, done. <laughs> okay, Jeff, if you're listening to this, um, get on it. Name of the get rose. Name it. of the rose junior. Yeah. The musical. Name of the Rosical. No, that just sounds weird. That just sounds weird. Okay. All right. We'll we'll work out all the kinks and, and we'll go, we'll let you know how it goes. Because <laughs> there were plenty of those. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it'll be a perky musical. <laughs> I perked right <laughs> up as an eight-year-old. <laughs> and good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>